Hey everyone, Cody Sullivan here again, hoping this episode finds you well. I wanted to give a huge thank you to all the listeners out there. March was our most downloaded month to date, and April is already on par to blow that metric out of the water. You can continue to support this program just by telling your weird friends about it. And anyone else, frankly. See a stranger on the street? Boom. Tell them about Pulp. Uh, okay, uh... Okay, maybe people aren't really bumping into many strangers on the street at this time, but you get what I mean. Also, thanks to everyone who's rated Pulp from Beyond the Veil on iTunes or Apple Podcast. Most of our listeners use that platform, and the more ratings a show has, the more likely people will stumble upon it via the algorithms. But on to today's episode... This story was written by the inimitable, the unfathomable, the downright illusory Gustav Grift. It is performed by Chris Goulet, Colin Moon, and Jamie Danner, with original music by Mike Westbaum. Thanks, Mike. This story is called Well Enough Alone. July, and I had just turned 14. Across the wide, rolling plains, you could see fireworks from five towns, and the sound rattled my teeth. Gran had gone to sleep, but I didn't mind. When the streak cut across the sky, I thought it was one of the fireworks at first, but there was an almost unbearable whistling sound and a definite impact. I scanned the fields to try and see where whatever it was had landed, and there was this eerie glow coming from the edge of the property. I took off toward it. I was a headstrong kid. When I was almost at the property line, I felt the ground humming through my sneakers and smelled that upturned earth and, well, I don't know what. That purple glow was coming from the old well, and I had poked around it at the beginning of the summer, but it was boarded up tight. Now the wood was splintered into toothpicks. I crept up to the stone circle and peered over the edge to try and see what had crashed into it. (coughs) Well, uh, what did you see? I didn't see anything, really, but the ground kept pulsating. Then there was a blast of hot air and a smell like bleach or a thunderstorm that made the hairs on my arms stand up. There was a a popping and a bubbling, low at first, but building until I was sure whatever was in the well would collide with me. Did you move? No. Why not? I... I couldn't. So you froze? No. Were you paralyzed or in shock? No, you're... You're not listening! I... I just couldn't. Alright. I'm sorry. Go on. Well, then there was an impact. Forceful, but fluid, like jumping into the waves at the ocean, except very, very warm. 
All of a sudden, the fireworks were in my head, and my stomach did a roller coaster drop down through my shoes, and then it stopped, and I was floating on that warm ocean and starting to doze, and the strangest goddamn thing is, I woke up next to that well the next morning, soaked. You fell asleep? In, in the dream, I mean. That's just it. I thought so. But only just yesterday, I was sitting with my partner, and, and she was talking with me about how she was going to move things around in the living room. And I just sort of spaced out. Uh, but then I remembered there was this voice, except it wasn't a voice. It, it was like the strings of a bass or a cello between my eyeball and my brain, but I understood it. Uh, what did it say? Home. And, uh... Does your grandmother still live on the farm? What? No. She died a few years back, remember? My cousin owns it now, except he's never there. H have you gone back since? No. No, it's like we've talked about. I've moved around a lot before I turned 18, so I never really got the chance. Then things just kind of took off around here with work and... Bev and all that, so I guess I just lost track of stuff until Grand passed. You ever think about visiting it? Taking a vacation? I left the session thinking about what my shrink had said. Did I need to go back? Would Bev want me to drag her to the last place I was happy before we got together? After she said she'd go with me, we started making plans. I called my cousin, and after a few days, he actually got back to me. Said we could rent the place for 50 bucks a night. Not too bad for a country vacation, I guess. It was the night before we were supposed to leave when we got the news about Bev's brother. He'd been in a car crash. It looked like he was going to make it, but things were still pretty bad, and she was the only one left to help him through it. So she decided she'd stay and fly out later if she could. No, she said. You go. I'll, I'll get there soon enough. The flight was fine, as flights go. I touched down in the city about two hours from the old farm. The farther I got from the city, though, the less familiar things were. I remembered the rolling plains exploding with crops. You couldn't see anything on the side of the highway because of the gigantic stalks of corn or the fields of wheat and soybeans. Now, everything had turned gray, and the fields lay fallow. Where sheep and cattle used to graze for miles on end, only crows gathered, picking away at whatever poor creature happened to have died near them. When I got to the farmhouse, it was locked. Grand one had done that. I took a spare key from under the eaves and went in. The old farmhouse had seen better days, but on the whole, it felt familiar, almost like home. Well, never mind what it was like. I didn't feel like going out after my flight and my drive, so I showered up early and settled in to watch the game. The TV didn't work, though, and I didn't have wireless, so I grabbed a cheap thriller off the bookshelf and kicked back in the recliner in my old, uh, in the guest room. I woke up in the night with the hair on my arms standing on end, feeling like someone was tickling me with a feather on the inside of my skin. I stepped over to the window and stuck my head out to get some fresh air, 
And when I did, I saw it. The glow. It was coming from the property line, just where the old well was. I stepped out the front door and into the grass, barefoot, and stopped about ten feet from the well. The light was definitely coming from inside. I inhaled sharply. The old familiar thunderstorm smell washed over me. Then, in the phosphorescent glow that was coming up, I saw a roiling slickness breach the rim. Slowly, it washed over the side and crept through the brown, crackling grass like a serpent. It reared up at a level with my eyes. I couldn't run. I didn't even think to. It arced forward and caressed my cheek. And as it did, I swear I heard it speak in that deep, resonant vibration in my skull. thought and heard and saw all at once, though my eyes and ears and brain felt wholly disconnected. There was a vast sea of colors all connected and thinking and feeding on and reproducing itself. And I was in my guidance counselor's office because my mom had been found dead of an overdose. Then there was the impact. The sea shattered. I flew up to space while my aunt and uncle argued about how they couldn't keep me because they had their own kids to think about. And besides, what were they supposed to do with the kid who floated through the lifeless void of space for untold millennia? The memory of love and harmony and connectedness tearing like a knife in the belly and exposing everything inside to the freezing nothingness and We are here now, not alone, not abandoned, all. The presence on my cheek burst, and I was cradled again, that warm sea, fireworks behind my skull, shuddering from the exchange, the openness to that faraway place to that long-gone home before I became a wanderer. Just like that day so many years before, I woke up next to the well. I was wet, probably from the dew, and my stomach let out a deep, protracted rumble. There was no food in the cupboards. So I decided to head into town to see if the diner my grand used to take me to was still there. It was. I recognized my server as a girl I used to cause trouble with when I was in this town. Say, Eileen, uh, you might not recognize me, but I used to spend my summers at my grand's farm outside of town. Uh, my name Kit. is... Kit? Kit Stewart? Holy shit. Where did you go? Eileen, order up. All right. I'm coming. Listen, I've got a break coming up in 20 minutes. Want to catch up out by the back dumpster? I finished my eggs, toast, and home fries and then waited out back for Eileen. 
It turns out I wasn't imagining the changes in town. It started just after you left. Crops started failing. Then livestock started getting killed or going missing. Cow and sheep skeletons were found all black and... God, I don't even like to think about it. Anyway, it just got worse and worse. People started moving away when they couldn't make a go of it any longer. There's probably half the people there used to be. What about you? Oh, you know, it's like I used to talk to you about. I I bounced around a lot and then settled down in the Northeast. Settled down? Is there someone special up there? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. Beverly. Well, she's lucky to have you. Anyway, don't be a stranger while you're in town. I left the restaurant, thinking about everything Eileen had said. Crop failures, dead livestock, and most of all, when it had started. Later on, I got a call from Bev. Hey, hun. How's your brother? Coming along quickly. Hey, listen. It looks like I can actually get out there tomorrow night. That's great. That's great. Um, hey, I'm, I'm losing you here. Uh, what time is your flight? At 10. Love you. Great. Great. Love you. That night, I sat down to read again, but I could not focus. My mind was in space, and in that childhood guidance office, and at the well. I walked out into the night air and heard nothing, not even crickets. You came back. I hold you. Yeah, me too. Listen. This town, it's different than I remembered. Does it seem different to you? No. It's like it always was. Whole, but not complete. Not till now. The top of the well began to bubble with that slickness like in the past. But now it had a definite shape to it, like a silhouette. It reached out to me with a hand, and this time, I walked to it, and it touched my cheek again. At once, I was back in the void, hurtling through space and frozen solid, unable to move as the kid who lived in the house kicked me over and over again, letting me start to get up and then shoving me down, only to swarm over me and crack pieces of my frozen body apart with its great chitinous mandibles, all to the beating of wings in soundless blackness, while I made my way to Grand's for the first time and cried in her arms instead of under my bed and the hot tears running down my face like my body plunging down through the planet's orbit, the heat and friction melting my millennia's frozen exterior, and me all aglow like fireworks exploding in the sky while I landed in the deep, wet chasm and leaned over the well, and I saw myself and put myself together, and I was home. That night, 
I didn't fall asleep. I stepped out of the well, out of the warm blanket that had enfolded me, and back into the farmhouse, wondering what it had all meant. I wasn't even tired, so I drove around town and saw what Eileen had meant. Half the houses seemed to be empty or for sale, and most of the farms had been foreclosed on. I thought about my dreams, or whatever they were, and about the connectedness of that primordial sea. The abundance of life and food. How different it must be here, stuck in the well. Then I wondered about Bev coming. Oh, what would I tell her? I'd have to stop going out to the well and eventually go home. I would have to tell the visitor before I went to pick her up. I walked out just after dinner. The sun was hovering just above the horizon, and the well cast a long shadow. The thing pulled itself from the opening, its hands and fingers emerging almost totally solid, opaque even. It looked at me. I mean, really looked at me with eyes and everything. It was like looking in a carnival mirror. The thing reached for my cheek, and I put my hand up to touch it, brushing it aside, but not letting go. What's wrong? Nothing. Uh, nothing. Listen, we need to talk. There's someone special, someone I love, coming into town tonight, and I won't be able to visit you anymore. I'll be leaving, going home in a, in a few days, and I, I can't stay forever, right? I mean, you understand, I have a home, I have a life. And what about me? Do I not have a home? In a life? No, of course not. Very well. But before you go, though, please share with me just once more. One more time. Still holding the creature's hand, I placed it on my cheek. Instantly, I was engulfed but not like before. The wave this time was cold and bitter. It was the day after I had found myself and I was waiting expectant in the pit. And then I left to find a string of families that didn't want me, the friends that took me in and made me feel almost welcome. And I waited, so very cold and lonely while I took a diploma from my principal's hand and then went off to start college to wait some more, growing, reaching out to the ground, so, so hungry to incorporate the plants and the beasts and to take Bev on our first date, smiling at the way she averted her gaze flopping her red hair in front of her face when I gave her even the mildest compliment. 
or when I spread farther and farther afield, grasping at and holding everything I possibly could in hopes of finding the one beautiful thing to make me whole. To have all. Kid, are you okay? Jesus, kid, what's happening to you? Run, Dev! God damn it, you've got to run! Get out of here! A tendril went by me, wrapping itself around Bev's leg. Where she was ensnared, smoke began to curl upward, and she screamed in agony. The gelatinous mass cracked like a whip, throwing Bev off balance and dragging her, clawing and screaming into the well. I tried to grasp her to pull her away, but the creature was too fast and too strong. I ran to the edge and tried to grab her outstretched hand and free her, but by the time I got there, the surface of the thing was bubbling furiously and smelled of burning flesh. Give her back, you fucking monster! Give her back or or kill me if that's what you want! Would would that make you happy? No, kid. That wouldn't make me happy at all. I cleared my eyes and looked up. Standing half-submerged in the well was Bev, or something very like her, glistening in the pale moonlight. A breeze rattled the brown grass and her skin rippled. Come to me, kid. Come home.